This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Violent protests erupted in Milwaukee on Saturday following the fatal police shooting of an armed 23-year-old black male by an armed black police officer. Police say he had a lengthy arrest record. Um, They started to burn Milwaukee to the ground over the weekend, and it's not over yet. We begin there, and Black Lives Matter right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, America. There are several things you need to know about uh, Milwaukee and what happened. In response to a, um, a police shooting, a black police officer shot a, um, uh, an armed 23-year-old man with a long uh, record. Uh, Because of that, there were protesters about 3.30 in the afternoon in uh, Milwaukee. Shots began being heard around 8.45 to 9 p.m. By 11 o'clock, it wasn't a protest. And I'm tired of the media reporting things as protests. This is a riot. There's a huge difference between a protest and a full-scale riot. Dozens of rioters had assembled in the Milwaukee neighborhood where the 23-year-old armed black male was killed, initiating a revenge campaign based on mob justice. The rioters grew more and more violent as the evening went on. At its peak, hundreds of violent rioters, police equipped with shields, moved into an occupied intersection as rioters threw rocks and anything else within arm distance uh, of the uh, of the rioters and at police officers, police made three arrests Saturday night, despite how belligerent the mob uh, the mob was. Uh, throughout the night, the officers were violently attacked by members of the protesting mob. One officer was seriously injured after a rioter hurled a brick at police squad car windows. The officer was struck in the head causing a major loss of blood. Then the rioters attacked both unattended vehicles and the vehicles occupied by unsuspecting police officers. At least one police squad car was set on fire. When police moved in to disperse the crowd, they were met by Palestinian-style rock throwers. A significant number of rioters refused to disperse peaceably. Uh, Instead, they opted to engage in guerrilla warfare using rocks. The gunshots prevented the Milwaukee Fire Department from um, getting to the uh, gas station, which they had set on fire. 
By midnight, they were finally uh, able to enter the scene of the blaze, but by then, the gas station had already burned to the ground. Rioters also set fire to a bank and three uh, three other buildings. There was one intersection where a mob of at least 100 people were brawling with the police. Uh, A fourth building was uh, set on fire. Footage from a uh, news helicopter appeared to show a small grocery store had also been looted. The rioters then turned to the journalists on the scene, kicking, punching, and throwing reporters on the floor. Uh, The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports earlier in the evening more than 100 people gathered near the uh, scene of the shooting and at times pushed against a line of uh, 20 to 30 officers, all of whom were in riot gear. At one point, the officers got into their cars to leave and some in the crowd started smashing the windows the side of a squad car. Another vehicle was set on fire. Officers returned to the scene, this time in more riot gear. As many as seven shots could be heard. The shots appeared fired by someone in the crowd. Soon thereafter, the crowd turned and chased on reporters and a photographer from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. One reporter was shoved to the ground and repeatedly punched. The scene was not safe for journalists who were reporting, sometimes even sympathetically, on the evening's chaotic events. As the streets turned to a virtual war zone, police asked cameramen, journalists, and news crews to leave as quickly as possible, fearing for their safety. Um, Many of the most violent rioters, uh, uh, rioters were affiliated with Black Lives Matter or other nationalist movements. Now, here's the thing. Summer of Rage. Uh, 1968, here it is. Assassinations, they have been assassinating our cops and journalists. As I said, five years ago, six years ago, they are going to come for you. You think you can continue to tell these lies. You think you can continue to play the same game But you are part of the system these people despise. And they will come and pull you out of your chairs and beat you to death in the streets. Remember when I said that? And what all the reporters said? It's beginning to happen. Journalists, you better wake up. Because you are part of the system people are beginning to despise. And the rioters... The, the, the most virulent, the ones that you have been backing, the ones that our, our uh, government has been turning a blind eye to are growing in strength, and they don't like you. I just want to point that out. They don't like you. Now, let me play one of the rioters and what he said this was all about. Need a new machine, Pat? This machine seems to be going down. Either that or a new person running it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm open to either. Just tell me. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Uh, yeah, here it is. It's sad because, you know, this will happen because they're not helping the black community. Like, you know... The rich people, they got all this money, and they're not, like, you know, trying to give us nothing. I mean, that's a good point. Okay, play it again, please. <laughs> because, it uh... It's sad because, you know, this will happen because they're not helping the black community. Like, you know, 
the rich people, they got all this money and they're not like, you know, trying to give us none. They're not trying to give any of them none. They're not trying to give them none. And so okay. they got all this money. They got all that money. They're not trying to give them none. And they not, so, like you know, Glenn, try and give us none. All right. So prob- tell well, me, the problem t- with that is he's getting that from, from the Democrats who are running for office yes. every single day. Now, they're getting something else from this Democratic machine. They're not only getting the get them mm-hmm. uh, from the Democrats, but what, what, is he, what does he really say there? All of these white people, or all, yeah, he says white people, rich people. Rich people. Rich all people. these rich people have all the money, and they're not giving us any. Right. What is he really saying here? We're going to take it. Okay, we're going to take it. But where is he getting that, that they have all this money? Besides just the dribble, give me more than they're just getting it from the Democratic side. Well, Donald Trump tells us how rich he is all the time. Tell, no, I'm not saying about which sides. I'm telling, tell me specifically what they're being told and what they're, we believe being, to be true. being told they, they deserve don't. other people's money. Yeah. Right? It's not, and the it's rich not don't good. pay their fair share. Mm-hmm. I mean, all during the Olympics, Hillary Clinton has run this ad that she's going to fix the economy by finally making corporations and the, uh, and the rich pay their fair, fair share. share. Under Barack Obama, have African Americans seen their conditions get better or worse? worse? Definitely worse. Um, How much worse compared to everybody else? Much. I don't know about the percentages. Much. Don't know. Yeah, a lot worse. Much worse. Certainly, we have seen we have seen a decline in the standard of living for everyone. But if you're an African American. The decline of your standard of living has been dramatic in the, the last eight years. The unemployment rate for people of, of this guy's age in the is, black community. It's like 50%. Yeah, it's okay? outrageous. So you're, they're rebelling against a system that is broken. Now, there are people that are taking advantage of this. The Democrats are one. And the Democrats, if the Democrats aren't exposed for what they've done to city after city after city after city. If they're not exposed, they will do this now to the entire country. And that is what they're doing. They are now moving into one nationalist state. Forget about state controls. Forget about city controls. They want to federalize the police departments. They want to federalize absolutely everything. So what, they're do, what they did to Detroit, what they did to Philadelphia, what they did to Washington, D.C., what they did, quite honestly, to Milwaukee, they are going to do to the entire United States unless we get the word out to the inner city. Look, you've been betrayed by this system. You've been betrayed by the people you have been in bed with and the people who are now fueling the fire. George Soros, these rich white people aren't giving us any. Do you think George Soros, who is paying for Black Lives Matter, do you think George Soros cares about the plight of the African American on the street? No. Absolutely not. No, he doesn't. They're being used. Oh, yeah. And this story, these, these elitist journalists 
who think that they are doing them a favor are actually leading them to the slaughter. So are, are you being used as well, then, uh, as you it came out this weekend as the prominent supporter, I would mm-hmm. say, of Black Lives Matter? It's okay. the only way I could describe it uh, yeah, from right. media coverage. Right. Perhaps the most prominent. Uh, right. Member, right. member of yeah. member of Black. Oh, I believe members. I've read. I read I'd say leader, founder, 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 founder maybe, maybe of Black yeah. Lives Matter. Maybe. I didn't realize that maybe. at right. the red state Let's, gathering too, which is a weird place a to weird come out place. Uh, as the guy leading mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. But why? Why did you make that transition over the weekend? I, well, I didn't make a transition. Oh, I, I read several articles that yeah. said that you did. Uh, big flip flop. Yeah. Uh, no, now big. It's actually everything that this audience has heard. Can we start with? Can, do you have? Do you have NPR? Yes. Is this Black Lives Matter latched onto this? And tell me what you disagree with. Do you think it's important that conservatives um, make an appeal to, for for example, Hispanics and and African-American voters? I think it's important for us to appeal to everybody. Um, You know, I, I had a new kind of thought on Black Lives Matter and the All Lives Matter thing. And um, the best way to explain it is if we're all sitting around at a table having dinner and everybody gets pie except for you and you say, my pie matters, I don't, I don't have pie. And everybody at the table looks at you and says, I know all pie matters. It shows that the people at the table aren't really listening. I, I don't agree with the Black Lives Matter organizers. Um, they are stated as anti-capitalists. And it's much more than just the police uh, to them. It's about changing society entirely. But I can relate to them and understand them on many different fronts. And we need to start listening to each other and getting out of our own little labeled bubbles. Okay. Now, listen to what I said. Because I read one story. You said that it said, in a very NPR way too. That was I know. Nice. <laughs> he did. He did. Was. I, yeah. Hey, if I'm with the Romans, I'll speak Roman. You know what I mean? So uh, now listen to what I said. Because one article said, uh, one article said, uh, and then uh, he showed his true colors at the red state. Okay. Now listen to this. This is what I said in the red state speech. You have it? Uh, yeah, I think so. Is this the America that began in 1791 one? with a constitution? I hate to say this to no, you. I don't is think so. That's not the one? No. Is it this one? I see a storm. No. It's the third one. Jeez, for the love of God. <laughs> okay. I think we figured you... out if it's the machine or if it's... <laughs> <laughs> you need to start putting these in yourself again because yeah. this is a bad we idea. Have yeah, really. other. We have different languages that we're yes, speaking. Listen, listen, but I think many of us are saying the same things. Let me give you an example on Black Lives Matter. The people who are marching, not the people who are running it, they are communists. But many of the people who are marching that are not burning things down, they just want to be heard. And we're saying all lives matter. And I've been saying that for a year, all lives matter. Mm. And that's offensive. How is that offensive? I finally figured it out. After the shooting in Dallas, I finally figured it out. Because I sat and I listened And I listened to these people who said, I'm not with these guys. But I was marching. But I'm not with these guys. But I'm afraid of my own grandchildren. Something's happening in our own community. And we need to help. We need need help. We need to figure this out. Something's happening in our own community that we don't recognize. Black lives matter. Stop. Okay, so what I'm saying here is when I sat down with the people from Black Lives Matter, again, 
I was ridiculed in the press for, oh, he says he's for Black Lives Matter, but then he called them communist. Pat, can you give me the example of why I would say they're communist? Well, this is their own manifesto. Because they uh, have called for um, economic justice, progressive restructuring of tax codes, a right and a right to restored land, clean air, clean water, and housing. Amen. Uh, community control. They demand a world where those most impacted in our communities control the laws, institutions, policies that are meant to serve. From schools to local uh, budgets, they've also demanded no police uh, force in their communities. They've demanded reparations. Uh, they demand investments in education, health, and safety for blacks. Divestment from prison, fossil fuels, police, surveillance, and corporations. That includes decriminalization and records expunged for all drug-related offenses and prostitution. Universal health care and a constitutional right for a fully funded education. Also a cut in military spending. Uh, the, they, 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 don't they say at the very beginning that they are anti-capitalist? Yes, they do. Um, read it for me? There's this again, their manifesto. Uh, let's see, an immediate end to the criminalization of black youth, end to zero tolerance policies, all schools, all police removed from schools, all reallocating police funds to black schools. Also, an end to capital punishment, bail, court fees, no criminal history, disclosure. Um, the platform is wholly against capitalism, war, and white supremacy. So the Got first it. thing they name is capitalism. capitalism. Okay, so they are anti-capitalist. However, when we come back, I want, to, I want to show you why people are being... For instance, Trump may be Trump, but he is using a lot of people who feel disenfranchised. And we keep saying, guys, wake up, wake up, wake up. The same thing can be said for Black Lives Matter. The same thing could be said for Hillary Clinton. They feel a certain way. And you look at them and go, no, wake up. Don't you see who's leading you? We have a problem with leadership here. And I want to explain this because we have to come to terms with what is really happening on the ground. Do that in just a second. First, let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour. It's My Patriot Supply. You've heard me talk for a long time about something big coming our way, worse than the Great Recession. I love this. Unlike Wall Street, there's not going to be a bailout for any of us. Are you ready for what might come next? I've got a really fascinating story of a guy who makes a very good case that he thinks this is going to come before the election. My Patriot Supply is standing by to help. If you call right now and use my name, you'll get a four-week food supply for only $99. We're doing this in our family. That's over 50% off the regular price. The food lasts up to 25 years. You can easily store it in your own home. Tanya talked to me about this this weekend and said, this is too good of a deal to pass up. I agree. Four weeks of food for only $99. It makes sense to prepare and save money at the same time. Call 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163, or go to preparewithglenn.com. That's preparewithglenn.com, 800-200-7163, preparewithglenn.com. You're listening. You're listening. To the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. 
okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Program. Did a lot of thinking this weekend about uh, labels and the future. We have to stop thinking about uh, the next four years and start thinking toward 2030 because we do survive. I hate to break it to you, but we do survive. Um, how we survive, how we get through it, and what we look like on the other end is really dependent on what we do right now and how we start looking at things right now. Um, As I said at the Red State Gathering this weekend, the America that we know that was founded in 1791 with the Bill of Rights, that's over. There's a new foundation, and it is a progressive foundation. But there is a giant, what could be described as a cataclysmic cliff just ahead of us. So what gets us through this wall of fire? That's what I want to talk to you about and how it relates to Black Lives Matter when we come back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. program from the red state convention this weekend the america that began in 1791 with the constitution i hate to say this to you is over we have lost that battle this is america 2.0 and our founding fathers there's a reason why common core is only teaching american history now from 1880 forward Because 1880 is about the years the progressives started to come to America. That's why they're teaching everything prior to 1880 is pretty um, uh, irrelevant to a progressive. Because the new America began right before there. Our new founders are Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, FDR, LBJ, Lyndon Johnson, Richard Nixon... Those are our founders. So now what are we going to do? In 1880, the progressives started to say, okay, what are we going to do? We don't like this system. So how do we change it? And they said, one bite at a time. So what do we do? If you want to restore a constitutional government that actually believes in freedom... We better have a plan, and that plan should not be just don't elect her. Here's the problem. 
the the system has given us three candidates that no one's happy with. The system has given us answers that no one is really happy with. The system itself is so corrupt and has so distorted the truth and so distorted um, what our youth believes about themselves and about the world that they don't know where to go. There is no stability in anything. You know, remember when you were 20 and you thought, geez, man, I'm never going to be like those people who are 40, those old people who are 40 who just don't get it. I'm going to fix the world. I, we're going to change things. Well, that's the way they think about us, except times 10. Because if you're my age, if you're 50, you didn't grow up with the kind of debt that they now have at 20. They now have debt. Now, nobody's forcing that debt on them. Or, or is it? Look at how society preaches that you're nothing unless you go to college. Unless you go to a good college. A community college isn't good enough. Going to welding school, God forbid you're a loser. You've got to go to one of the top schools. And if you don't go to one of the top schools, well, okay, well, you could be a second-class citizen. That's a lie. That's an absolute total and complete lie. But that's what the system is preaching. That's what everybody wants you to believe. Now, I want you to think about the candidates that I'm afraid for my children. I'm afraid for my children and what they're going to, what they're going to uh, see. I'm afraid, quite honestly, of some of the other kids that you know, don't have the upbringing that we have or in some of these public schools. If you have your kids in a public school, you've got to be afraid of maybe them or a little bit afraid of some of their friends or you've got to be looking at them going, geez, I don't even understand what's going on. I don't even understand the things that they're facing every day. When I spoke to the Black Lives Matter people, not the organizers, but some of them marching, two women, in fact, And I don't agree with them politically, but I saw them as people who have a plight just like mine. And I think they saw me as somebody who can relate to that to some degree. They said to me, you don't understand. Our grandchildren, we are afraid of our grandchildren. Our grandchildren, something has happened in our community. And I think it's happened in all communities It's just worse because of society and culture. It's worse in the black community. And they're seeing seeing their grandchildren just detach from, from anything that they even recognize. For instance, do you know that there have been more people killed on the streets of Chicago since Barack Obama has been the president of the United States more people killed on the streets of Chicago in the last seven and a half years 
than there have been in the Iraq-Afghanistan-Syrian war. We've killed more Americans on the streets of Chicago than Americans have been killed overseas in war. But nobody's talking about that because it doesn't get anybody anything. They already have complete control of Chicago. They already have the strictest gun laws in the country. There's nothing more to gain there. They have it. So ignore it. Unless you can use that crime to spread that philosophy elsewhere, ignore it. So let's look at what we have. You look at the Democrats. The Democrats are not happy with with, uh, Hillary Clinton. I think this is a, a statist dream come true, a communist's dream come true, a globalist's one world government dream come true. Most of the millennials hate all of the options. They don't like the libertarian, they don't like the uh, Democrat, and they don't like the Republican. Most of tomorrow's voters hate it, and can't believe these are the best guys. The Democrats, they know Hillary Clinton is lying. They don't like Hillary. I know a lot of Democrats. I know a lot of socialists. They don't like her. They're not happy with that choice. Know a lot of Republicans. They don't like their choice. And they don't like Hillary Clinton. But they also don't like um, uh, Johnson and Gary Weld. I know libertarians, I spoke to one over the weekend, said, Glenn, this guy is not, he's not libertarian. Listen to this. Weld thinks a rifle can become a weapon of mass destruction. This is the libertarian candidate. The five-shot rifle, that's a standard military rifle. The problem is if you attach a clip to it, which you can't do, it would be called a magazine, you can fire more shells, and if you remove the pin, it becomes an automatic weapon. That's, you don't just, that's not the way it works. The guy doesn't have any idea. He is a Democrat who is for uh, gun control running as a libertarian. Johnson scorns religious liberty and freedom of association. It's okay to penalize the New Mexican photographer for refusing to participate in a gay wedding. Then, Johnson's tenure as government, he said, as governor, he says uh, that he uh, decreased the debt. His debt actually increased from 1.8 billion to 4.6 billion. Wow! Because of the way the game that they play. As long as you are in within your spending limits, that's fine. You can take on more debt as long as you have convinced all the people in the legislature that, oh, we can afford that debt somewhere down the road. So in other words, as long as you're living within your means, you can take out as many maxed out credit cards as you want. That's not libertarian. Um, Let's see. The spending initiatives uh, included paying new dues for the UN membership, a movie subsidy, and using government dollars for science projects. Weld supports eminent domain. Um, Let's see. Johnson wants to fund Planned Parenthood. I'm opposed to cutting funding or eliminating funding for Planned Parenthood. You don't have to be 
pro-life to be a libertarian, but you don't agree with federal funding for private organizations. Uh, They're also for the environmentalist movement, more higher smog standards for the EPA. Uh, Weld lobbied for an EPA rule that required 2% of Massachusetts automobiles available to purchase be electric cars. So you you have a betrayal of the libertarian principles, a betrayal of the Republican principles, a betrayal of the Democratic principles, and the next voter saying, I don't believe in any of them. This is ripe for revolution. This is ripe for anger in the streets. No one represents me. What we need to do as people is recognize, stop yelling at each other. Stop pointing the finger. It's your fault because that's what's going to happen. What's, hap- what's going to come next is the uh, if Trump gets in, the Clinton people, because there is a crash coming, the Clinton people will all blame it on the Republican. And they'll blame it on conservatives. And they'll blame it on all of the things they've wanted to take out. It, Donald Trump will become the poster child, the anti-capitalist poster child, because there is a threat coming. If Hillary Clinton comes in, they will still uh, blame it on republicanism. It, but if, if Hillary Clinton wins, the Donald Trump people will point to all the people like us and say, it's your fault. Or worse yet, it's the press's fault. Black Lives Matter already pointing to it's the press fault. It's the Republicans fault. It's capitalists fault. We can't be a part of that and we have to start sifting through the bubbles of labels and start looking at people as people and say, okay, I don't care what you say you are you, and don't listen to what I say I am. We, we agree on these things. Good. We should stand together. We agree on these things. We should stand together because they are success. That's the first thing that, you know, totalitarians do is they divide everybody up into little camps. And when they divide everybody up into little camps, then they can organize the ones that they want. We have to go and try to heal as many of those rifts as possible. And the, what, what we have been doing by just shouting, um, uh, you're a communist and I'm a constitutionalist and not getting into each other's space and having uncomfortable but gentle conversations, what we've been doing isn't working. We have to try something entirely new. And we, it's going to require us to change our language. Barack knows we're going to have to change our language if we're going to move forward. Yes, he did know that, didn't he? And I know the same. We're going to have to change our language if we want to move forward. Blinds.com this weekend, the heat index here was, what was it, 117? It was insane. It was 107. Yesterday, we had a 30-degree uh, temperature drop, and it was still 85. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, you could stay cool in the heat 
Give your AC a rest with new custom solar shades from Blinds.com. At Blinds.com, they're going to walk you all the way through the measuring and the installation every step of the way. Design consultation, $200 value is absolutely free. And the best part, 100% satisfaction guarantee. There is no way to get this wrong. You can get the made-to-order custom blinds without paying the made-to-order custom price but only online at blinds.com. And through the end of this month, you can use the promo code BECK and you can buy three blinds and get the fourth blind free. Do it now. Promo code BECK at blinds.com. Buy three blinds. Fourth blind is three free through the end of the month. Blinds.com. Promo code is BECK. Rules and restrictions do apply. It's blinds.com. See them for more details. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Let me, um, let me ask you a question. Since the beginning of the progressive era, let's say 1910, how many of those years have been, um, how many have had an actual socialist mayor, not a democratic mayor, a socialist mayor since 1910? City of Milwaukee, socialist mayor. How many? How many years? Uh, <laughs> An avowed socialist? Yeah, no, yeah, not not a Democrat, a socialist. Got Ran 30. as a socialist. Ran as a socialist, not an independent. Really? Ran as a socialist. How many years? Wisconsin. I mean, how many years did wow. Milwaukee have a socialist as a mayor? Since 1910. Yeah. So it's 106 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, you're leading us to believe it's a lot. Well, one <laughs> up until up until now, I would have said none. Right. Okay. Uh, how many socialist mayors have they had? <laughs> I think the answer is the same. We were, I mean, it should be zero. zero. Should be I zero. mean, they went through that era, which you've explained mm-hmm. many times, the progressive era. They were very central. Yeah, Lafayette that. and that, that yeah. whole deal. So, uh, I, so they've had three socialist mayors. Wow. Three. Wow. And 38 years under socialism. The rest Jeez. were all Democrats. So the more socialist, 38 to 0 Republican. The last time they had a Republican in office was 1908. Oh, my gosh. 1908. And so they have been under Democratic and socialist mayoral uh, terms since 1908. And 38 years under socialism. How's that working out? It's not working out well. I don't know if you... I don't know if you know that. Uh, I was just curious. Yeah, no, it's... Uh, mm-mm, mm-mm. And that's, of course, a socialist not being able to implement full socialism. Uh, imagine if they did. <laughs> uh, imagine, imagine <laughs> Frank Ziedler. Uh, when, did the, when did the black uh, the, uh, the uh, blacklist happen? 1950? Yeah, 50s. 50s? Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank Ziedler was the mayor of Milwaukee from 1948 to 1960. Wow. That's how far out of step they were with the rest of the country. Wow. 
remarkable. After World War II. After World War II. Electing socialists. Yeah. 1948 to 1960. That's crazy. Yeah. Back in just a minute. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Debbie Wasserman Schultz said over the weekend that she cannot guarantee that the Iran nuclear deal money won't go to attacking Israel. Well, that's well, good. I'm glad we... Okay. Uh, also, uh, we've talked about Milwaukee, but is anyone talking about what happened in Chicago? The deadliest day in 13 years in Chicago... And the deadliest weekend yet. We begin there right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glen. Last week, the Chicago Tribune pointed out that nearly 100 people had been shot in Chicago in less than a week. Nine people were killed on Monday alone, making it the deadliest day for the city in 13 years. Now, with the weekend data out, the story is even worse. A total of 110 people were shot in Chicago, 24 of them dead. The year-to-date statistics indicate the city is spiraling out of control with the total shootings up to 2,621, a 50% year-over-year increase with 445 total homicides. The city is on pace now to have over 700 homicides in 2016. That is a 63% increase year-over-year. No one seems to care about what is happening in Chicago. Of course, it's all blamed on guns. Chicago's homicide problem keeps getting worse despite the gun laws that are already among the most restrictive in the country. In fact, the New York Times describes Chicago gun laws as the toughest restrictions, saying, quote, not a single gunshot can be found in this city because they are outlawed. Handguns were banned in Chicago for decades until 2010 when the United States Supreme Court ruled that it was going too far, leading city leaders to settle for restrictions uh, some describe as the closest they could get to legally banning a gun without a gun, uh, without a ban. And then their laws were so strict, they were actually unconstitutional. Yes. And then they've just tried to walk up to that unconstitutional right. line again. Despite the continuing legal fight, Illinois remains the only state in the nation with no provision to let any private citizen carry guns in public. Let me say that again. Illinois, not Chicago, Illinois remains the only state in the nation with no provision to let private citizens carry guns. So you can't even have a concealed weapons permit? Nope. 
no provision. Finally, despite some of the most restrictive gun laws in the country, 87% of all homicides were committed with guns, up from 79% in 2010. So how could the city that has the toughest gun laws in the country, laws described as the closest they could get to legally banning a gun without a ban, also have some of the highest gun-related homicides? Could it be that criminals looking to use weapons for violence don't follow the law? <laughs> no. No, no, it could not be. Oh, no, come on now. Could not be that. Don't get crazy. No, couldn't it's be that. It's the fault of the gun itself. Well, it is the fault of other states that are still selling guns. Yeah. And the gun manufacturer. And it really is. Um, Texas's fault, for sure. Mm-hmm. I've, I've heard that from... Several people. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, it's because of Texas that Chicago has all these murders. Well, what? Okay, so then it will be the fault, if you get rid of Texas and all the guns here, then it will be fault of Mexico. Right, but, don't, but we don't want it border security. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean it, it just never ends. You eventually have to ban all guns in the entire world, and it's never going to happen. Have you heard of digital printers? I mean, you know, are we talking about the... 3D printing. Right. Yeah. We're talking about the... What was it, Pat? The uh, uh, decentralization of manufacture? Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> it's that guy. Collectivization of manufacture. Yeah, collectivization of manufacture. Yeah. That's what his point was, though. Yeah. I mean, we have that clip that we play all the time. I don't know if you have a handy, Pat, but it was like that... Yeah. But, like, listen to what he says at the end. He's talking about you can't eradicate the gun from the earth. Yeah. yeah. Who, you know, in whose conception, under what paradigm, you know? <laughs> you know? I'm just resisting. What am I resisting? I don't know. No, the collectivization of manufacture, right. the institutionalization of the human psyche. I'm not sure. I'm not but even. I can tell you one thing. What? This is a symbol of reversibility. They can never eradicate the gun from the earth. Symbol of reversibility. Right. That's I mean, what it is. That's what it means. You can't reverse that. <clears throat> it will always, you will always be guns. There will always be people who execute their right to protect themselves those that person will always and there will exist. always be bad guys yep. who will make the gun before the good guy does unless unless what if we stopped for a minute and turned bomber jet planes into butterflies above our nation <laughs> the flowers and, and we birds. were we were stardust we're golden mm-hmm. we're 10 billion year old carbon and we got to get ourselves back, back to the garden what if we did that Hmm. What if we just did that? Good point. Wouldn't it be beautiful? It would be beautiful. Wouldn't it be beautiful? It would be beautiful. We could, we could all join hands in a giant circle of love. You might want to think about writing it that as a song. No, nah, I don't think that would work. Yeah, okay. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you the opinion of somebody who writes for Zero Hedge. Zero Hedge uh, is a very interesting website. <laughs> Zero Hedge is one that is uh, not necessarily. They're not conservative. No, would you say uh, no? Uh, um, no, and I would say that they were more libertarian, mm-hmm. uh, b- but I don't think that they are because they seem to be leaning towards Trump. But uh, I don't know anymore what anybody is. Um, so there is an interesting uh, article on Zero Hedge this weekend. Uh, 2016 will end with economic instability and a Trump presidency. Now, listen to this. Political and economic events tend to swing like a pendulum or move like the tide. Uh, what What you think you know today, according to the mainstream mood, can swiftly change tomorrow. Sometimes this is a mere random coincidence, but sometimes it is engineered by the powers that be. When discerning coming trends, the only assumption I recommend people operate on is the globalist will play the long game. 
The short game is only relevant as far as it serves the long game. So what is the long game? Globalists have openly admitted their goal to numer- in mo- numerous mainstream publications. My favorite example is January 1988 issue of uh, The Economist. The issue pronounce, uh, pronounces boldly that investors should, quote, get ready for global currency by 2018. Now, we talked about that just a couple of, a couple of days ago. The Economist mentions that the sacrifice of some economic sovereignty of nation states will be necessary, the end of the dollar's world reserve status and the rise of the IMF's special drawing rights basket currency mechanism as a bridge to a single global currency by 2018. This was this prediction again was made in 88. I think it was 98, but it says 88 here. None of these changes can be accomplished without certain parts of the world suffering severe financial instability first. Not only is this mathematical inevitability, such a crisis is also a useful tool for elitists to mold public collective psychology. So let's make it very crystal clear. The long game is the total and open centralization of economic and and geopolitical power in the hands of the financial elites. Do you guys disagree with that? That that's where some people, a good number of people at the very top of the ladder, believe we should be in one big collective government with collective run by the corporations and the banks. Yeah, smart with smart people. Yes. Yeah, with smart smarter people than us. Right? Yes, I mean, this is an entire right. ideology. So this isn't this isn't uh, necessarily what's happening, but it's it's not crazy to think that this is happening. Um, you know, just just listen to the. Just listen to, just read TPP. That's what TPP is about. There are a lot of assumptions floating around about economic conditions and election developments right now that don't take this, this into account, the long game. The first being that globalists are losing their grip on the situation. I would disagree. In terms of the political leaders, East and West, and surface economic indicators, the elites have more control than ever. The argument is of the bumbling globalists became rather popular after the days of the initial success of Brexit. This was, of course, based on the assumption that Brexit is damaging to the globalists rather than helpful, helpful to them. I outline why, the Brexit, why Brexit is a perfect scapegoat for a fiscal downturn engineered by the elites in my article, blah, 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 blah. Um, let's see. Since the referendum, central banks and politicians around the world have been calling for a single monetary and fiscal policy initiative to head off any ill effects of Brexit. That is to say, open calls for one economic authority to rule them all have now begun. The numerous warnings by the financial elites of a coming crisis event have people in the mainstream and many alternative analysts scratching their heads. For those that are hyper-focused on stock markets, all seems to be well. Of course, these people only have the attention span that lasts until the next market ticker opens for the day, and they aren't again looking at the longer and bigger picture. To be fair, though the mainstream media is really laying the fake-out propaganda thick, July and August have produced considerably strange behaviors from stocks so far, with a record number of days positive, followed by a near-record number of days negative. Um, I would consider this a form of volatility that should not be overlooked, blah, blah, blah. Oil prices have uh, uh, back towards low. There's been a steady correlation uh, the past year between oil and stocks, yada, yada. He goes on this. Past two months of unemployment numbers have been an epic farce. The media playing up the supposed number of jobs added while mentioning nothing about the nearly 95 million working age Americans 
that have now been removed from the job roles and no longer counted as unemployed. Let me say that again. The nearly 95 million working age Americans that have now been removed from the roles and no longer counted as unemployed. That is almost a third of our population. The Bureau of Labor's claim when cornered by the statistics and the fraudulent nation of, uh, nature of their primary unemployment percentages, those people don't want to work and therefore they shouldn't be counted. 95 million people? If we have 95 million people that don't want to work, then we have a problem with all our welfare state as well. Better than expected jobs reports have allowed the market to lev- um, uh, levitate. Uh, I would assert, however, the stocks are merely treading water uh, at the deceptively calm center of a hurricane. The reality is they cannot hide the economic collapse forever. U.S. US productivity is now 37-year low, despite governments uh, claiming fully recovered employment. You would think that such a happy labor environment portrayed by the BLS productivity would grow, but it's not the case. Perhaps the unemployed population of over uh, of over 100 million people may be contributing to the implosion of U.S. productivity. Outside of the U.S., European banks are on the verge of a breakdown, yada, yada, yada. So here's where he pulls it all together. So he says, we, are, we have um, grassroots setting our streets on fire. We have the banking system on fire. Uh, we have unemployment higher than ever. We have debt higher than ever, and stock bubble that's about to burst, and oil, which is, is the king of it all. And he talks about all of these pressures. Then he says, some people might confuse this concept, but I believe that the U.S. presidential election is going to end with a Trump win. Trump's campaign has been consistently compared to the Brexit campaign by globalists in the media, as well as by mainstream pundits. They call it dangerous, a dangerous trend of rising populists. Propagandists surrounding Brexit asserts that the referendum will eventually lead to global economic crisis. Already, central banks and politicians are attempting to tie Brexit to anything that might fiscally go wrong in the future. The propaganda surrounding Trump is the same. That Trump is unfit to lead America and his economic policies will end in a global financial ruin. One uh, constant connects the Brexit referendum with Trump, and both are supported by conservative movements with anti-globalist leanings. I submit that there is, in fact, a wider economic crisis on the way, and the elites plan to use Brexit and Trump as scapegoats in the crisis. I've stated this before, but I think this idea needs repeating. The globalists need the economy to turn unstable in order to create the rationale for a centralized economic authority and a single global currency system. If Hillary Clinton, a well-known globalist puppet deep in the bedrock of the establishment, wins the election only to have the economy tank, then the globalists will get the blame. If Trump is either allowed in office or is placed in office and the economy tanks, conservatives... The primary uh, enemy of the globalists will get the blame for the resulting crisis. To reiterate, the globalists have created the conditions by which the economic crisis can be triggered at the time of the election. This is part of the long game, blah, blah, blah. This sets up the elites as profits rather than criminals. This economic perception turns negative and the public begins looking for answers. Um, 
Many claim the Federal Reserve will not raise rates in 2016 with the election threatened by a Trump candidacy. I believe the Fed will in fact raise rates as they've been uh, as they always do during going into a major recession. If they do not raise rates before the election, they most certainly raise rates in December if Trump wins the White House. I realize that I will argue that Trump will never be allowed to win. Just look how the media demonize him, but this is what people argued before breakfast, uh, br- Brexit and they were wrong. While I'm certainly not advocating Hillary Clinton in office, I have to point out that Trump presidency serves the globalist long game much better than the uh, Clinton presidency. Okay, I don't know who, I don't know this guy, don't know anything about him, don't know he could be a complete conspiracy theorist, yada, yada, yada. But I will tell you, this is what I said to people like Ted Cruz off air. You don't want to be president because it's going to, comp- it's going to crash no matter who's in. And mm-hmm. the Republicans are going to be blamed. The conservatives will be blamed for it. I think he's making a much deeper case than this, and I don't know if he's right or not, but he's right directionally, I think. And now this, protect your home, protect your family, and save even more money than you think. With Simply Safe Home Security, you not only save on your monthly monitoring fees, but you also save up to 20% on your homeowner's insurance. Over 100,000 Simply Safe customers are saving money on their insurance premiums right now. And with Simply Safe, monitoring is $14.99 a month, and it's easy to install and no contract, so you own the system. Right now, Simply Safe is the security system in my daughter's house. Want to keep my family safe? I use Simply Safe. Having Simply Safe home security is like having a guard station right at your own door 24-7 a day. For the protection we trust, go to simplysafebeck.com and get an exclusive 10% discount. It's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Starting tomorrow, our serial on progressive liars continues. This week, you'll learn about Hillary Clinton's hero, Saul Alinsky. Listen live at 10 a.m. Eastern or online at glennbeck.com slash serials. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, we were just talking during the break, and I am not, again, I'm not a, uh, uh, I I don't know who wrote this, and I I don't know any of his psyche, and he might be a complete conspiracy theorist, and I don't happen to think that, as he seems to allude to, that this is all planned by the globalists. I don't, I don't put it past you know, a conspiracy. Th- I don't even know anymore. The things are so upside down. I wouldn't doubt anything, but I don't think so. Um, however, I think he's right directionally on, and, and it's it's what we've been talking about for a long time that you don't come back to capitalism if the iconic, greedy gold-plated capitalist is the one who takes it down. Mm. It's blamed forever. Capitalism is blamed forever. because, And he is the guy that Karl Marx described. Karl Marx said 
that at the end, this is why they wanted America so badly, because America would come to it, but only after somebody would rise up who is the iconic, greedy capitalist. Jeez, I remember that. We, should, we got to find those quotes. Got to find that quote. That remember that? Yeah, I remember you talking about he it a said, couple years ago. Yeah, he said that it would be an iconic, greedy capitalist mm-hmm. that would would rise up and the country would just be awash in this ugliness. And then they would, the pendulum would swing the other direction. I mean, look how far the pendulum has already swung to socialism. If you go to, we're all greedy. We got to get greedy. I like greed. We swing to the Donald Trump greed. Can you imagine how far against capitalism that thing will swing? Yeah. We're only making the pendulum swing wider. We should update. We should talk about this Brexit analogy that people are using as well. It's it's really a flaw. Yeah, you're a numbers freak. I wondered if you thought that was accurate or not. Yeah, I mean, I can understand why people are bringing it up, but there's a couple of different examples people are using online with the polls that don't really work in this context. That's not to say, I mean, anything can happen. Huge events. This sort of an economic collapse. I mean, Trump will walk into the White House. Oh, yeah. However, Brexit did nothing. Back in a minute. That's all I really liked of that movie. Yeah. We are just, sorry, we were just talking about movies over the weekend. We're going to get to something real, but I saw Suicide, uh, Suicide Posse. Uh, suicide Squad. Squad. Squad, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> Number one again, Same second straight week. Suicide Squad. Numbers are huge on it, although the reviews huge. are not very big. Yeah. 222 million in, in two weeks. Can I tell you why? Yeah, because she's in it. She's in it. <laughs> I don't, yeah, she's, uh, she's in it. She's in it. She's good. I mean, I don't mean in a, she. She's just she's worth. Good, she's a good actress. She's, hmm? she's a good actress. Yeah. Oh, good actress. Yes, I suppose she is. <laughs> so surprised by the point. I thought. no. It's. I mean, you know, it's. Uh, it's dark. Um, looks dark. It looks. Yeah, it's. It's pretty dark. It but it's not. It's not icky. bad. It's on the previews. It looks like it's. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, there are parts of it that are pretty icky. I, I, parts I, of it pretty icky. You know. Um, Will Smith is in it, which is... Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, it was weird. Um, weird. He kind of pulled the ickiness back a bit. Did he? Yeah, he, he's a nice guy, and so they tried to co- concentrate a little bit on the night. They'd show you the Joker, who is one of the sickest Jokers yet. Oh, worse than Heath Ledger's Joker? Oh, yeah. Yeah, really? this guy, this guy, and a method actor, this guy went and, uh, you know, all during his um, uh, preparation and during the, um, during the shoots, he was watching... Uh, uh, all kinds of really vile, I mean, not snuff films, but pretty close to, I mean, just vile, vile stuff just to fill his head and become that guy. And he's pretty close to that guy. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I would be an, a method actor. It if that's seems what like it Ledger did something like that, too, and he yeah, got into yes. such a dark place that yeah. that led to where he wound up. The Joker, up. yeah. The Joker yeah. killed him. Yeah. Um, Tough to get out of that place when you're there. <laughs> that's why you've never left. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, we'll we'll talk about some of that stuff um, maybe later. Um, uh, we were talking about 
the next election. I want to talk a little bit about the press and Donald Trump and the press. I mean, who would have seen this come? Oh, we did. We did. That's right. Um, But anyway, um, Stu said that the Brexit numbers and the Michael Dukakis arguments, both of these, that Donald Trump is Brexit and Donald Trump is like Dukakis, who is way behind uh, or was was uh, was way ahead, was way ahead and then way behind. So so actually Hillary Clinton would be Dukakis. Uh, right. That's the, right. So those are the two sort of examples that people will toss around. Brexit being because it's recent and it's sort of a turning over of what uh, the establishment wants. Yes. So it kind of makes sense in some ways. Um, but people treated Brexit like it was this huge uh, upset. And because it was a big deal, there's a reason to understand that. But the, there, you know, it was leave versus stay was the, uh, the argument yes. there. Leave won over 40% of the polls done leading up to Brexit. So Leave was winning many of the polls, but was a slight underdog. So when it happened, and because it was surprising, in addition to being a slight underdog, it was a, a real surprise, I think, to a lot of people, including like the betting markets, um, were very surprised by that outcome. But the polling showed it very close within a couple of points, and uh, many polls had uh, Leave winning. I mean, almost half the polls. I, I think you could compare this to, um, should we go, it would be like the Republicans and the Democrats coming together and say, um, you know, hey, I'm Mitch McConnell and I'm Nancy Pelosi and we've got to keep this government the way it is. And then a group of credible libertarians coming out and saying, no, we need to have new elections and new ideas based on these kinds of principles where you have power and you have control, I think it would be very close. But if you weren't electing people, I think if you were just saying, which, which do you want? Do you want the power, this corrupt power away from you? Or do you want something new and different that's closer to you? I think it would be close, but I think in the end, it would be just like Brexit and that that power closer to you. The difference between Brexit and Donald Trump is Brexit wasn't a person. And so Brexit didn't get up and say things that, quite honestly, would attract people or repel people. It just was this idea. And ideas are a lot easier to sell than people, especially if that person seems to be unstable. Because right, the idea isn't flawed. It's, a, it's, a, it's pure. Yeah, where it's like, an idea. You might say, you know, a lot of people want to believe in somebody like Donald Trump. I mean, in fact, I want to believe in, in somebody, somebody like, like Donald, Donald Trump. Trump. I love the idea of someone coming in and being a, a businessman and, and doing all these things. But his policies and the things that he does, to me, are, are extraordinarily flawed. Yeah. But, I mean, the idea of it, I totally understand. Like, for instance, I saw, I saw a poll. You, sh- you should look this up. You might know it off the top of your head. I can't remember. I don't even want to quote it, but I thought it was rather high. It was Donald Trump's supporters are now saying he's got to be he's got to calm down. He's got to stabilize here. Be the president. You want to be the president. So this is not coming from people like me. It's coming from his supporters are now even saying he's got to stop and just be the president and he could win. Have you seen that poll? I I don't know. the. I saw it this morning and I don't even want to quote the number, but I think it was pretty high. Yeah, I mean, was, he was universal, you know, for example, the Khan controversy. Um, I mean, it was something like, uh, 
what was it, 19% of people thought his comments and handling of that situation was appropriate? Yeah, no, no, but, but um, I'm saying, I'm saying of but his I, supporters. Right. This is just a poll of his supporters. Right, and my point there is that if only 19% think he's handling himself okay on that particular incident, yeah. there's a lot of his supporters who are saying, geez, I mean, I want to vote for the guy, but he can't seem to get over these Correct. basic human interaction humps uh, that are presented uh, in front of him. Um, and talking about the Brexit thing, again, 40, over 40% of the polls leading up to Brexit had leave winning. Uh, Donald Trump has, is behind in 20 consecutive polls. Um, his current, uh, you know, uh, average poll is eight points he's losing by. Um, now, right now, Romney and um, McCain were both trailing by a little over three points at this point in the campaign. So he's doing considerably worse than either one of those candidates, both of which were either blown out completely McCain and, and Romney lost in a, you know, a, a decisive uh, loss. Um, and, and, you know, McCain, for as much as bad as McCain was, McCain was running against history. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I McCain, mean, he was running against one of the most popular presidents coming in of any president since probably George Washington or... Right. Uh, you know. People wanted that history. They wanted to be yeah. part of it. But, I mean, you know, McCain was a terrible candidate, but I don't think anybody... Because think about it. You have the, the historic nature of Barack Obama's candidacy where he's seen an 80% popularity ratings when he first started. People forget that now. McCain was a terrible candidate, and that is part of it. But also, the economy collapsed a month before the election. Yeah. I mean, there was no way the, the party that was in office was going to hold that together, even if they were winning going into that last month, which they weren't. Um, so there was so no what happens if the economy collapses before this I think election? the same thing. If you have a 2008 type of collapse right now, I, I think I Trump will, will, will win easily. I think so, so too. There are many things that could happen. I know no one in the audience wants to, even if you're rooting for Trump, you don't want to root for an economic collapse, obviously. Um, but, uh, it's coming. It, it may well be coming if it comes before the election. Just like, by the way, if the Bush collapse had happened after Obama's, uh, three months later, and happened after Obama took office, the whole everyone would look at that completely differently. We have no idea when, when one of those things is going to happen, but Bush got all the blame for that. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's obviously not all the president's fault anyway, but he, there was no chance of his party winning. And I think the same thing is true today. If you were to see a real collapse right now, I think Donald Trump would, get the, would win the presidency easily. Um, but these sorts of switches are really rare. They're not, it's not a common thing. Remember, McCain was already losing um, so that it didn't happen there. It just got worse for him. Um, if you go back to Dukakis, which is this other situation that a lot of people have been talking about from the Trump side, saying, look, look, we can find polls where Dukakis was up 10 points at this point in the campaign and wound up losing. Um, first of all, there's a lot of nuance around the way the news cycle is and the way social media is and the, how many people are paying attention to the election this early. A lot of that has changed since back in the day. But the, the most important thing there is that those polls were taken before, before the Republican convention. Once the Republican convention happened, Bush took the lead back and held it to the end. He held it to the lead and extended it towards the end uh, when it got really into the heat of the campaign. Dukakis had a lead right after the Democratic convention. And in between the convention, polled really well. After the convention, that lead went away and stayed away for the entire rest of the race. The difference here being the, the uh, convention was a little bit later. 
Um, uh, uh, so we have more time, essentially, for Trump to turn this around, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was never a real cons- a, a legitimate run made by Dukakis after Bush regained control. It was Bush all the way to the end. And so those things are, are very different. Again, you don't necessarily need historical precedents for something to happen. Donald Trump, there's no historical precedent really for him. I mean, we've made a couple of comparisons that are somewhat. Not in this country. But, yeah, I mean, what was it? We, we talked about, uh, was, it, uh, was it Taylor? We talked about a while ago. I, there is, there, there's one that you can get kind of close with. Um, I can't remember who it was now that it's been a while since we went over it. But bottom line is there's, there's very little historical precedent for this. And you don't need it. Right. These things happen all the time. How many times have you talked about this? Glenn? It's a new world and things change and they yep. change rapidly. And you don't always expect them. It's the, the normalcy bias where you look for these things to try to prove. But you, so you don't need a historical precedent. But at this point, it would be incredibly amazing to turn over not only just a poll, but this many polls saying the same thing over and over and over again. So now, and, and his path, Glenn, real quick, was was supposed to be different. He was supposed to compete in states like uh, Pennsylvania and New Hampshire, all these purple states uh, where he's losing double digits, poll after poll after poll. He said himself he would compete in New York. John McCain lost New York by 27 points. Mitt Romney lost New York by 28 points. Donald Trump said he would compete. Latest poll out, he's down 30. Jeez. He's actually doing worse than the last two candidates uh, when it comes to New York and many of these swing states. He's underperforming all the regular, generic, boring Republican Senate candidates all across the country. Uh, and, you know, so it's a so it, right now it's really bad. But again, it could change. Jeff, you write this down. Here, here are the things I want to I want to talk about before we leave today. I want to talk about um, uh, those those stats uh, and. And the game now that people are looking at, some people are now jumping ship. Have you seen the number of people that are jumping ship right now? They were on the Trump campaign. Now they're like, I'm off. I'm, I'm oh, out of here. The okay. RNC people? Yeah, the RNC people are jumping like rats off a flaming uh, ship. Mm-hmm. Um, those people think that they, if he loses, they're going to be looked at as right on the money. Uh, you know, us to some degree, too. I mean, we're not playing it to be right. We're just saying what we believe. I don't know if that's going to I don't know if that's going to last. And what happens to Donald Trump in the future if he loses? And I want to talk about his future because I think he plays a very important role in the future if Donald Trump loses. We'll get into that here in just a second. 1988 article in The Economist predicted the sacrifice quote of some economic sovereignty of nation states, the end of the dollar's world reserve status, and the rise of the IMF as a bridge to a single global currency, end quote. They went on to say that investors should ready themselves for a global currency by 2018. This is The Economist. I think, you know, these are Fabian socialists. (laughs) I think they... They know this has been a long-term goal. And here we are, something that is written 30 years ago that would have sounded crazy in 1988 is now upon us. And if you can't see that happening, you got your head in the sand. Do your homework. And I want you to call Goldline now and consider gold. At least in the short term, something like this happens, there's... There's no way that gold or silver is not, does not have monetary value. That isn't something that you can barter for and trade with. 
because everything will be up in the air. What do you have of real value? Telling you there's going to be food, booze, cigarettes, gold, silver. That's pretty much it. Real currency that holds its value? Gold. Goldline. The only company that I would recommend to you. I do business with them. 1-866-GOLDLINE. 1-866-465-3546. 866-465-3546. 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Well, that's what they're saying. The Glenn Beck Program. We have Sheriff Clark from Milwaukee. He's going to be on with us next hour. You don't want to miss that. Speaking of Milwaukee, um, listen to this sister of the shooter that was killed over the weekend. Burning down, s*** ain't going to help nothing. No burning down, s***. We need in our community. Take that s*** to the suburbs. Burn that s***. I don't even understand what she's saying. What is she saying? Uh, she's saying you're burning down stuff. Uh, I'm changing it slightly. You're burning down stuff that we need in our community. Take that stuff out to the suburbs. We need this stuff. Burn the, burn so burn, burn the, the suburbs, suburbs down. Don't yeah. burn down our own question? community. How The guy was armed. Armed. Coming at a police officer, and the police officer was black. I, I don't I don't understand. How it. is this the white? video, by the way, too. Uh, yeah. They say the video Body clearly cam. shows that he has a weapon. And here's, here's the, the other thing. By the way, we have some video of a Black Lives Matter activist who was marching in the streets, who the police said, hey, I want you to come and try this training with us. And it's the, it's the training that we have to take on when do you shoot, when do you not shoot. <laughs> he was shooting everybody. <laughs> and he was like, okay, well, okay, well, yeah, He okay. got kind of close to me. I mean, he got close to me. He's he was unarmed, though, and you shot him. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting. We'll, we'll get into that here in, uh, in just a little, a little while. But this goes to what they're saying. No, but the Black Lives Matter themselves basically is saying there, manifesto. There, there is no black crime. You have to let all the black people out of prison. Uh, we don't want you stopping them anymore. I mean, want everything decriminalized. No police officer, all decriminalization of all crime. I mean, it doesn't necessarily say all crime. It, I mean, white people, I think, could still. Yes. I don't know how they'd be in prison because they got rid of the prisons, the handcuffs, and the police officers. But they are very specific that there should be no criminalization of black youth. Correct. In particular. Yeah. Yeah. No criminalization. None. Hmm. That doesn't seem to have any logic. But then again, what's happening in Milwaukee doesn't seem to have it either. Hmm. Hmm. Back in a minute. David Sheriff, uh, uh, Sheriff David Clark is going to be joining us in about a half an hour to dis- discuss the weekend of unrest in Milwaukee. 
A lot to say about that and where we go from here. And I want to talk about Donald Trump's future. We do that right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I don't know if you guys have seen the articles that are coming out now with the the hundred plus conservatives uh, or Republicans that have now jumped ship. And you see the, the early people like Ted Cruz and Ben Sass. Uh, and now it's just a floodgate of Republicans that are starting to come out against Donald Trump. And I'm beginning to wonder, um, uh, you know, what exactly is happening. First of all, the press is slaughtering Donald Trump. And we could have, well, I was going to say we could have told, we did tell you that's exactly what would happen. In fact, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Is it as bad as you thought it would be? Uh, Still three months to go. Plenty of time. For yeah, there's still plenty of time for the documentary that we know NBC bought. What are they going to do with it? Um, you know, there's still time for it to get really, really bad. Um, but we'll see. Let's get into September and October and see uh, what they do. Uh, on this point, there's a big uh, profile of Juanita Broderick that yes. BuzzFeed did. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. You're talking I about w- one of the things I was interested about was that she didn't when she was asked by private investigators before she came out publicly and she was asked about it. Her answer was, look, I don't want to get involved. You're never going to get him and no one's going to believe me. So, no. Like, she actually didn't want to be involved and come into the spotlight at all until she was – but she was recorded without her knowledge uh, about that, which was kind of interesting. But they go into the the circumstance of events of why – why isn't she the new Bill Cosby thing? Why isn't she the person now that everyone's, like, re-looking at and re-examining? And, of course, the – one of the conclusions they come to is, well, only conservatives seem to care about it. Because it would hurt Democrats, and Democrats, when they hear conservatives talk about it, just they get more, uh, you know, locked in their in their cement. Um, but it, what are they, the the press rollout of the Broderick interview is fascinating, in that like he was in the middle of a of of a case with Paula Jones. They waited until the, to air this until after because they were fact checking it. They mm-hmm. waited until after it aired, and then they ran it up the Juanita a rape accusation against a presidential candidate they ran against the grammys they they aired the interview while the grammys were on so of course no one was watching it and it got none of the attention that could have come this is what the press does and it's they're doing the exact opposite you know against donald trump Trump now i mean they're doing everything they can to make him uh, look bad obviously he helps things along quite a bit but it kills me that he first of all uh, he is now going he, he every tweet he tweeted yesterday apparently was about the media yeah oh yeah donald what are you doing what are you doing that you're what are you doing do like- you want to win stay focused and on message you know you you come across as sour grapes you you should have known this before and for anybody in the donald trump camp to say that the press is unfair with their coverage oh my gosh he got 3 billion dollars worth of free media coverage and all of it was practically glowing before he got the nomination which we also said would end the minute he got the nomination and has and has yeah one of his i love this tweet from him yesterday 
it's not freedom of the press when the newspapers and others are allowed to say and write whatever they want, even if it's completely false. Right. You mean like uh, Ted Cruz's dad helped kill JFK or that Ted Cruz had like numerous affairs or that or that we were calling Donald Trump all the time, begging him to come on. Right. This I mean, guy is a nonstop falsehood. And he comes out and says this. This is what's scary about him is he said, I'm going to pull the I'm going to pull the credentials of The New York Times. I hope he does it. Quite frankly, I hope he does it. Um, but this guy is so anti First Amendment. Nowhere, his people last week were chanting, put them in jail, put them in jail, put them in jail, when he was talking about the press. What law has the press broken? I don't like it. It's why we started a network. I don't like what the press does, but it's the press, and they have a right to do and print what they, what they believe is the truth, even if they have an agenda. They're not breaking a law. They're not breaking the law. You know, there are, t- there are towns like, I think, doesn't um, Rochester have the Republic or the uh, Democrat? The, the Morning Democrat is the newspaper. There's lots of towns that had the Daily Republican or the Daily Democrat. That, that, that's what they were. They, they, it was actually the Democratic newspaper, the Republican point of view. That's what it was. This is not a new thing. And for Donald Trump to come out and, 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 and hatchet the press is, A, the height of hypocrisy when he got $3 billion worth of free press, more free press than I think anybody else has ever received, um, just a nonstop glowing, where, which boxed everyone else out of any kind of coverage. And now he's getting the same treatment that all of his people that were running against him got. And he doesn't like it, and he's throwing a tizzy. It's, it kills me. It just kills me. And how often have we said, we tell the Democrats get a hold of all of the anti-Trump stuff that we tried to talk about during the primary and yep. nobody ever noticed. Nope. And now you Because got the press wasn't noticing. Right. The press right. wasn't noticing. And we kept warning, look, the press, you think the press is going to leave this alone? The press is going to take this and run with it. This is what the press is going to say. Are. And so is Hillary. Yeah. And she, she, uh, all during the Olympics, man, it's, she's running a heavy schedule, too. Hillary is, I, I don't know, four or five times a night, probably. Yeah. She, uh, she comes on with one of two ads. One is the uh, class warfare ad. And the other one, which runs a lot more, is the Donald Trump ad where he's on uh, David Letterman. And Letterman brings out his clothing line. Yeah, and he said, "So you got these uh, shirts and ties, and Trump is all talking about." Yeah, yeah, there's really great, mad, really pissed. Oh the, my that gosh, thing. who Trump is? Yo, yeah, I seen because that. because Letterman Seething. he brings out the shirts and he says, "Where are these made?" And uh, Trump says, "Oh, those are made. I don't know where those right. are made, but they're great. They're he's trying to play it off a little bit. Selling really well. They're doing very well. They're doing very well." He's like, "Oh, they're made in Bangladesh," and Trump says. Bangladesh, well, that's okay. They, they, they need jobs there, too. Letterman brings out ties, and he says, where are these made? And he puts on that's his glasses to look to at the cuts. back of them, and he's like, I, I don't know. And a, uh, a, a, uh, some, it comes up that he knows where those are made. And then Trump's, or, or Letterman says, these are made in China. And then you just have this expression of Trump trying to, eh, well, whatever. Yeah, okay, they're made in China. And he just kind of blows it off, and then it's, it's over. Uh, wow. He's going to make America great again. 
is the ending statement and then spots over. Uh, it's pretty effective, pretty effective. And it shows the hypocrisy of, of him talking about China winning all the time and, and Mexico going right, beating us all the time. Look where they're going. They're going right for the culture. Right. Yep. They're going right into the culture. They're not really? doing meet the press. They're doing culture. Letterman. Yeah. No, but they're doing the Olympics. During they're the Olympics. advertising and, yes. during the Olympics. True. And they're using Letterman, too, which is another right. uh, cultural phenomenon. Right. So here's the, um, here's the thing I wonder. Because as you see all these people that are now jumping ship, and you're going to see more and more people jump ship, and... You know, we have to open our arms and welcome people back and say, okay, all right, now, why, what happened? Why did this fail? Because of a lack of principles. And we can't just want to win. We got to teach principles and, and stand, up, stand up for our principles. Um, however, I think there are going to be the hardcore people that are going to blame it on the media. They will blame it on the Republicans. They, Donald Trump is already blaming it on the Republicans and on the media, uh, and he's already saying that it's going to be a fixed vote. He is adding to the, he's making a new group of Black Lives Matter. He's making a new group of people that so distrust and hate the system that they will buy anything. It was rigged election. The media ought to go to jail. And it's these Republicans. And not look at who's leading that. Okay? Same thing. Same thing. They start with a good reason. Just, I think, like Black Lives Matter. The people who are not at the top, but the people who are following, and not all the people, but some of them that are following, they have some real concerns that should be listened to. Same thing with Donald Trump supporters. Good people, good concerns. Not the people at the top. And not a lot of the people in there, but... But a good portion, I think, are just really tired, disenfranchised people that, that need a home and need to be listened to. But if he poisons the well on the vote, he poisons the well more on the media, and he poisons uh, the well on, um, uh, what was the third thing I said? The media, uh, the vote, and something else. If he poisons that well... Those people are going to go die hard even more. And I think what's going to happen is you're going to first see, and this is why we can't point fingers, you're going to first see uh, the people who didn't vote for him and were standing against say, see, I told you so, when he loses. That was the third one, the rigged vote. Yeah, the rigged vote. So, so I told you so. Don't say I told you so. Don't. Because she gets in, what's going to happen is, A, she's going to be a nightmare. And B, I think the economy is going to turn, and that will make her more of a nightmare. And that's when the other people who were for Donald Trump will say, see, she's a nightmare. I told you so. I told you we should have had Trump. In the meantime, Trump is going to, this is just all speculation, me thinking out loud. Trump is going to start his own cable network and his own kind of thing like what we do. And um, he will start his own deal. He'll make a ton of money on it. What do you even call it? What do you even call it? Trump. Uh, bre, 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 <laughs> bre parte. Bre um, uh, he will, uh, he'll start his own, he'll, he'll start basically what we've done. 
and it will uh, it will be the Trump network, and he will until he gets bored with it, he will do shows on it, everything else, and it will reinforce all the things that his little conspiratorial world is, and it will draw those people in, and it will keep them locked in. It'll galvanize them. It will galvanize them. And when Hillary Clinton goes uh, awry, which she will, those people are going to be, you know, our... I don't want to say Black Lives Matter because they won't. I don't. I hope they won't get violent, but maybe they will. I don't know. It'd be a force, um, but they'll be a force. They'll be a force, and they'll be a force to be reckoned with. He is. He is going to be a part of our life. I think for a very long time. Oh, He's not going to be Romney who just goes away. He is going to be a force for a very long time. My I, prediction. You might be right, I mean, I, and I think first of all, obviously, he has some future. But it's, it's, it'll be interesting if he if this stuff holds and he loses consider you know McCain or worse. I mean, does he does he have any influence? I mean, he'll have his his sect of obviously you know Breitbart and those sorts of uh, groups. Does he Jackson have influence? I mean, anymore? Not much anymore. Yeah, really? Did he though for a long time? Yeah, he, he for did. a while he did. He did. I think he's going to because there's going to be so there's uh, so much anger involved in this. You just don't get around the anger. And there's so much anger here that I don't... And he's not going to let it go. You think he's going to say, you know what? He said, he said, what was it, last week? One of the most amazing things I've heard. So are you going to... uh, Will you be able to heal the party afterwards, after the election, if you win? And he said, well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to wait until November 9th. That's when I will decide whether the Republicans were were uh, supportive enough of me or not. So he's already telling you, I don't know if I'm going to go with the Republican agenda. One thing we, we absolutely know for sure is if he does lose this election, it will not be his fault to yeah. a, a large no swath course. of people. Correct. No matter what, I don't no care what. if he loses by no. 80, he will say it was not his fault. Right. And all I'm, saying is, all I'm saying is there is a... There is a tear in our fabric. There is a new tear that is beginning, and I think it's going to be a big tear. And we, we need to do our best to stitch it up, to open up arms, never point fingers, and, um, and try to bring people back into the fold as much as we possibly can. Um, but we have to change uh, the way we are talking to people. Um, because they, they are going to be more and more hardened. Those people, it's going to be a lot of them, some of them in the media, are never coming back. They are going to wait for Hillary Clinton to suck, and then they are going to say, I told you. They won't have to wait long. No, she's going to suck immediately. Suck immediately. Remember, suck though, immediately. when we were complaining about Donald Trump, all the polls were showing this exact outcome. It wasn't us just saying we think the media will turn against him. He was already losing by double digits to her when all the other candidates were in the field. Yeah, he was so losing there is no by more ch- than anybody else. Right, all the time performing the time. worse than every other Republican. They were expecting candidate. a miracle. Yeah, exactly. And and they got one in the primary. They just, you know, whether it's, maybe it'll happen well, again. They Who had a, one in the primary, just as we said, because that was an a media-engineered primary. And also, he was winning in the polls in the primaries. 
I mean, like he was, it wasn't like the polls were wrong and he, you know, he outperformed them. He was winning in the polls. And many times he underperformed what the polls were saying and his margin was less than was predicted. Now, all the same people who were saying, you got to believe the polls back in the primary are saying, you can't believe the polls. They're all rigged against Trump. I mean, I, I don't know which one it's supposed to be. Somewhere in there. Now this, 75% of kids aged 8 and under access mobile devices and 68% of teens text daily. LifeLock and the National PTA have partnered to create Smart Talk. It's an interactive tool that empowers you and your kids to set technology ground rules and make smarter and safer digital choices. Do this now before your kids go back to school because identity theft is America's fastest-growing crime. Thieves use your information to pretend that you're you. They buy things on your credit, liquidate bank accounts, even get your retirement funds. And your kids are completely unaware of all of this. That's why LifeLock is available. I have it. Pat has it. LifeLock scans hundreds of millions of transactions every second. And if they detect information being used, your information, they send you alert. When you answer back and say, that is me, they disregard it. It isn't me. That's when they go into action. Nobody can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock is the best identity theft protection available. Membership starts at $9.99 a month, plus sales tax. Go to LifeLock.com or call 800-440-4936. Use the promo code BACK and you get 10% off your LifeLock Ultimate Plus membership. It's 1-800-440-4936. That's 1-800-440-4936. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glenbeck.com. We're going to Milwaukee here in in just a second. The cousin of one of the uh, Milwaukee um, um, uh, victims um, is now saying that uh, you got to go out and uh, you got to go out and kill people. And uh, there is his picture. He's a cousin. Oh, and there he is with a with a rifle, an assault weapon. Oh man! So I hope surely he's, obta- he's surely obta- obtained that legally, right? Oh yeah, yeah, of course, of course, yeah, of course, of course, of course, course. We're having Sheriff Clark on. I hope he's going to address the rich people. They got all this money, and they not like you know try and give us none. I well, hope he's going to address that. I do too. I think you're making that sound worse than it actually. Was. <laughs> Go ahead and listen. I, so I don't think he the, is. No, he's, he is. He's clearly uh, making... Right. It's sad because, you know, this will happen because they're not helping the black community. Like, you know, uh-huh. the rich people, they got all this money and they're not like, you know, trying to give us nothing. Well, I mean, that sounds kind of like what you said. Uh, Thank good you. point. Thank you. I mean, it is a, it's quote. a solid, solid point. <laughs> no doubt about it. There was also a solid point uh, made recently... Um, by somebody we all respect and admire a great deal uh, when he said, And I hate your stinking guts. I can smell you from a thousand miles away, and you smell like failure. 
You smell like hell. And I want to thank the God of the universe that I'm not with these people. I I get tears in my eyes to God, but I'm thankful every day that I don't come from filth like you that want (laughs) to trample on humanity. Thank God I'm not a degenerate, filthy vampire like you. I could, why, I could why run, are you playing? I could run. Why are you playing that again? <laughs> all day. This is all day, show, right? Be us whole show. This idiot. Whole show could be focusing on his. <laughs> right. So good. If Glenn would allow it, it would be what would. No, happen. I won't allow it. It's ridiculous. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark and a man who has his own podcast uh, on the Blaze Radio that you need to listen to. You want to hear the truth spoken, uh, you'll go to Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, who is at the heart of riots in his city uh, and, uh, and, quite honestly, a lot of controversy because I think you're speaking truth. Welcome to the program, David. How are you? Oh, thanks, Glenn. It's my pleasure. Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm at the heart of it. I, I could see this thing coming. It's the same ingredients that exist in a lot of uh, urban centers where you have a uh, the presence of the underclass. You have the ghetto, and you have the pathologies associated with that. You have inescapable poverty. You have failing public schools. You have massive unemployment. You have a father absent homes. You have questionable lifestyle behaviors. You have all these ingredients. Those are the ingredients that are the potential uh, for this sort of social upheaval. And then a, a catalyst comes along, an igniter, like a police shooting. And then, uh, you know, total chaos ensues. But uh, this really has nothing to do with the police use of force. As you know, this is a political construct right now. Tell me what you do know about the uh, shooting. First of all, it was a black officer, was it not? Yeah, black officer uh, made a traffic stop. He and his partner vehicle. Uh, suspicious vehicle. They use the reasonable suspicion to stop the uh, two actors that get out. Uh, at least one, I think both, but at least one has a handgun in his hand and he's facing the officer. He was ordered to drop the weapon. He didn't. The officer feared for his safety. It doesn't take long to go from having a gun at your your side or um, your hand, you know, with it tucked in your waist to pulling it out and drawing down. So the officer uh, fired several shots and uh, killed the perpetrator. The perpetrator had a stolen gun. It's a long criminal history. Okay, so he wasn't a concealed carry permit holder, then I'm guessing. No, he wasn't. Mm -hmm. Concealed carry permit holders don't behave like that, as you know. (laughs) Well, there had to be some law that we... Have we thought about putting, blaming the gun manufacturer and putting on the barrel, pointing this weapon at a police officer may result in injury or death. Glenn, don't give them any ideas. Uh, because that's what they'll be requiring <laughs> the, uh, the manufacturer yeah. to do. Look, this is underclass behavior. Uh, what happened Saturday night in Milwaukee is the social order collapse. When the social order collapses, 
um, tribal behavior takes over. When tribal behavior takes over, the law of the jungle replaces the rule of law. You have, I mentioned all those pathologies uh, here in Milwaukee and, and in ghettos all across America. Uh, one of the main contributing ones, though, for these young black males, uh, no respect for authority, but they don't have an engaged uh, effective father in their life. And you and I know, your listeners know that uh, young men that grow up without a father to shape their behavior oftentimes turn into unmanageable misfits later on in life that the police have to deal with in an aggressive fashion, and that's what happened here. You know what's ironic is that the father of this uh, uh, person who was killed spoke out yesterday, and he apologized. He said, I failed as a father. I haven't been. He's been in and out of prison himself. And so it's just this ugly pathology over and over and over again. But he did come out and say what I've been saying forever, that dads matter. Um, you know, dads have to step up. Seventy percent of the kids born in Milwaukee are born without an engaged father in their life. And we're seeing the, uh, uh, the dire consequences as a result. So if I am working for Media Matters, here is the headline that I write based on what you just said. Uh, David Clark, Milwaukee County Sheriff uh, David Clark, uh, uses code words, jungle, tribal, uh, savage, um, ghetto. Ghetto. Uh, You you have, uh, you've used all the buzz code words. I mean, you're a black man. So I guess you are allowed to do that. But you've used all the code words. And that is all that anyone would focus on. How do we get past this point, David, where we're not, we're not worried about words anymore? We're actually worried about deeds and we're worried about how we heal this rift. Yeah, and that's interesting. Um, but I don't think they're code words. You know, I'm, I'm blunt. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, I, I call things for what they are. And what has happened over time, as you know, is, is the left, this modern liberalism push, this progressive movement has tried to control the language, and they know they can control the narrative. They've tried to cleanse the language so that it's easier for unsuspecting people to deal with, right? We call it, what, economically depressed area. No, it's a ghetto. And if people that live down there, and my offices that are down there every day know it's a ghetto. You know, I use words like the law of the jungle. That's what it is. It is tribal behavior. You look at some of these war-torn nations, um, uh, these third-world countries, it's the same behavior, okay, with this tribal warfare, this indiscriminate killing, all this violence. And those are underclass behaviors here in the United States. But that's what's at play right now. Glenn, I'll give you an example. In Milwaukee, the night before the uh, police officer shooting, which happened in the afternoon, four people were murdered. In the city of Milwaukee, nine people shot in about a 24-hour period, and there wasn't a peep from these individuals. The victims were black. The perpetrators were probably black. They haven't all been taken into custody. And not a word. See, the, your media matters and others, they want to just gloss over the real problem in the American ghetto, and it is the black-on-black crime that claims more lives than any police officer cumulatively all across the country every year could ever take and so that's why I said this is a political construct. It's not what they're, they're making it out to be. But what I'm trying to do is open people's eyes. You know, and I'm, when I'm talking about open people's eyes, I'm talking about my people, black people, who, you know, they'll figure this out if they get accurate information. The Democrats have, and this progressive movement, have given them the, the impression that they're trying to help them. No, these, these people are keeping them strapped 
to the liberal plantation for votes at election time and for political power. They're being abused. They're being exploited. I think it's a sin uh, that this stuff is going on. And so I'm going to say what it really is and not uh, allow the left to uh, control the language that I use, because that's done, like I said, it's done to fool people. I will tell you that you we looked at the history of uh, Milwaukee, and you haven't had a Republican since 1910, and you've had 38 years of socialist, out-and-out socialists, not Democrat, socialists right. as mayors uh, for 38 years in uh, Milwaukee. And it still doesn't get, the people still don't get it, do they? No, the the money, the federal money, the state money that flows into this area for all of these uh, um, ineffective social programs, whatever you want to call them, uh, is staggering. And again, this political class here, which now is a progressive uh, Democrat political class, and I say now it's been that way for the last uh, half a century uh, they're still on this. We need more money from Washington. We need more money from the state. Uh, you know, money, money, give us more money to, you know, keep this welfare state uh, going. That's that's all it's really doing. It's not helping people. We spend $1.3 billion, Glenn. That's the Milwaukee Public School System's budget. 80,000 kids. $1.3 billion. Holy the kids can't, cow. The kids can't read and write at grade level. They can't add, subtract, multiply, and divide. They're not graduating. They're coming out. They're functionally illiterate for $1.3 billion a year. So you know and I know it's not about money. Uh, this is to prop up the status quo. Keep these kids ignorant. Keep these kids. This is the next generation. This is their next generation of Democrat voter, and they know it. What do you expect to happen in Milwaukee here? What's what's going on? Well, I'll tell you what. Last night uh, was a little better than the night before. Not good enough for me. You know, we didn't have the fire bombing. We didn't have the uh, the torching. We didn't have the looting and the, uh, uh, you know, that sort of thing. But at the same time, some officers were injured. There was some rock throwing. And that's why I said it was better than the first night when we had the, you know, three businesses, big businesses burned down. There were like nine other fires uh, that were set cars set on fire, police equipment damaged. Uh, that didn't go on last night, a few rock-throwing incidents. But, uh, you know, and I won't be satisfied until these creeps crawl back in the hole they came out of. I'm talking about these rioters here because the overwhelming majority, as you know, uh, in these, uh, these, these, these ghettos are good law-abiding people, good law-abiding black and brown people who just want some, you know, decent quality of life. They may be uneducated, they may be undereducated, they may be unemployed, they may have a lot of baggage along with them, but they're still good law-abiding people, and they just want a, some semblance of safety, just some semblance of it. And right now they're not getting it. So uh, we'll be out there. We have a better plan. You know, the first night these things happen, you don't get the plan. Well, we got the plan the second night, and that's why I think the results were better. Um, we are going to enhance that plan. We've had some meetings this morning to critique what we did yesterday, what worked, what didn't. Uh, what can we do more of to, you know, quell this thing to where this thing just, you know, finally ends? And uh, it may take a little while, but uh, we're going to win this thing. Blaze Radio, uh, com slash radio is uh, where you can hear his podcast, com slash radio. It's Sheriff uh, David Clark, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark, who has been a friend of the program for quite some time. 
and one of the really good sheriffs that really uh, gets it and is completely frank. And uh, it's a it's a privilege to have you on with us today, Sheriff. Stay safe. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Be well now. Bye bye. Blaze dot com slash radio. David Clark. Are you thinking about purchasing your first gun? It's going to spread. What are you going to do? How do you protect yourself? The number one selling item on Amazon.com during the riots in London a few years ago. Number one selling item, a baseball bat. Thank God we have. They're playing a lot of baseball yeah, yeah, in I London know. now. I know. Yeah. Thank goodness we have uh, the right to bear arms and protect ourselves. Kidding. But you need to do your own homework. And uh, a gun is very, very personal. My least favorite gun is the gun that I'm the best shot with. And I don't like it. I wish I, I if, if I'm nervous or you know, want to make sure everything is under control, I carry that particular gun. And it's not the one, I, it's not my favorite, but I'm just a great shot. And you have to do that. You have to find a gun that is a fun gun, a gun that you might love, gun that you might collect, but one that you're great with that you can count on every time. Blaze Bond, uh, Bond Arms, I'm sorry, it's beckbond.com. Bond Arms is here in Texas, and Gordon Bond is a friend of ours. And uh, Gordon has taken the Derringer, and he has modernized it and made it so it is so rock solid, made here in Texas. And I'm telling you, when you see, when you see a 45 that fits into the palm of your hand that you could literally put in your pocket, uh, it's carrying a double barrel shotgun with you. Uh, in fact, shotgun shells fit in it as well. You can change the barrels out uh, to pretty much anything that you need. Uh, 20, I think 20 different, 22 different calibers that you can use. Just switch the barrels out on the gun. It's easy to do. It's a great gun and perfect for your wife to carry in her purse. Perfect for you to carry it. Very, very small. You can put it in your pocket if you wanted. Blaze, uh, I'm sorry, uh, beckbond.com is the web address. I want you to see everything that they have. See if one of these is right for you. Again, it's personal. But check this out. You owe it to yourself. Beckbond.com. Do it now. Visit Beckbond.com. Glenn Beck program. Triple eight seven two seven Beck. Mercury. Program. Like see us plow a field, you know. We're just talking about Usain Bolt, which is incredible. Pat's all upset because the American didn't win. Oh, you are such a right. That's right. I'm American centric. I, I am uh, jingoistic. <laughs> really I are. love my country, and I want my countrymen to win every every single time. event. Did you see the can- Canadian running against Bolt? The Canadian? Yeah, the Canadian looked like this little guy who needed to get a sandwich to him right away. He came in, I think, third, didn't he? <laughs> he did. But he yeah, like he this little teeny guy next to Usain Bolt, who's this monster. 6'5", five, six, yeah. five, this guy. And yeah. he's just unbeatable. You know, it's aggravating. But he's won three Olympics in a row, and now he's almost 30 years old. And he's still, he's still 
beat Justin Gatlin last night. It, it's aggravating. It's a, but you got to. I couldn't gotta step back it. and say the guy's a freak. No, of I couldn't believe he stopped and took a selfie halfway there. Well, he didn't stop, but he did. He did pose for he it. He did. He posed by. for it. I mean, he's like running, and he just like looks over to the side, like, "Look at me." I mean, it's Dig incredible. Me. Yeah, he's he's unbelievable, and he's a great showman. And the people in Jamaica yeah. just love him. It's amazing, especially last night. Such a bad start. He looks so clunky. Well, he doesn't need to start fast. First of all, he's 6'5", so getting out of those blocks is a little tougher for him, I think. And then, But by the time 50 meters rolls around, he's starting to hit full speed. And once he does, forget it. That's why I stopped sprinting. Get it. I couldn't get out of the blocks. Uh, Is that what it was? Getting out of the blocks. Right. Like cell that. block? Which cell block was it? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty amazing and, and really impressive. And that was the only uh, race you were interested in, right? The Leg- only Olympic event you were interested in? Legitimately, the only 9.81 seconds of the Olympics I wanted to watch. And, of course, I came onto Twitter right after it finished. So everyone's like, Usain Bolt! Usain Bolt! Usain Bolt! And I just, ah. so now I didn't watch any of it. Still, though, we're doing... Oh, we're kicking butt. Incredibly. We got 69 medals. Uh, I think China's second with 41, plus we're way... 45. 45. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're dozens ahead. And it'll only... I mean, that that will only... How is this playing with Russia? How's this playing with Putin? Can we do a little research on that and get back to that tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Because I'd like to know. I mean, this that doping thing went all the way to, like, our vice president, you know, in their structure. I don't know what they're... Their vice dictator is, <laughs> but it went as one below uh, Putin. Yeah, and I mean they, to have everybody pulled is pretty significant. That is. Well, everybody on their Paralympic team was pulled. Everybody. Uh, no, they pulled some people. They did pull some people yeah, off their so regular no. Olympic team, um, but the, the the vast majority of the Russians. In fact, they still had the largest contingent there, even, even larger than ours. Uh, we know if the, do we know? Wouldn't if you be embarrassed though that up? if if Joe Biden was like, yeah, go ahead and dope? Wouldn't you as a nation be? Oh yeah, oh it'd be a national scandal and oh. yeah. shut down our sports. It uh, would. It would be. It would be awful and it would be embarrassing yeah. as a nation. I'm wondering if they feel that way at all. Of course, they could say our vice president just said to dope, and yours is a dope. So <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury.